0: Engaging Leader Episode 193, Research Techniques for Identifying a Compelling Employee Value Proposition, featuring Dr. Matt O'Connor. Brought to you by the team at Workforce Communication. Find out more at workforcecommunication.com.
1: Does your leadership inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate,
0: engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome to the show, Engagers. If you identify the reasons why high-performing employees choose your organization, It serves as a compass in guiding your ongoing development of the employee experience. Where do you invest to continue to create a great place to work for the type of employees you want the most? Furthermore, if you use those insights to craft an employee value proposition, or EVP, that resonates with both current and prospective talent, it becomes a strong foundation of your employer brand and all of your internal retention efforts as well as external recruiting efforts. This is the second of a two-part interview with talent research expert Matt O'Connor. In part one, we discussed how to frame the discovery process, which is how to find out what makes your company stand out as a great place to work for the type of people you want on your team, so that you'll be positioned to use those insights to then craft messaging, branding, and other implications. Now, in part two of this interview, we'll take a more detailed look at effective research techniques for identifying a compelling EVP. Now, as I mentioned in episode 192, I apologize that the sound quality is not as great as it usually is in our interviews. I was recording Matt in a common area at his world headquarters. I thought it gave it a fun vibe, but then when we listened to the recording, there was a lot of background noise. So we have edited that out, but it makes our own voices sound a bit muffled. But it was a great conversation, very fun, lots of good information. I think you'll find it's well worth listening Now, when this part of the interview kicks off, I've just asked Matt to help us understand when to use a broad survey of current employees and when to use other research techniques, especially when you're trying to discover what's valued by key segments of employees, such as high performers, to help you attract and retain more of the right talent.
2: As we start to understand that information from the survey and and Carve it apart. Maybe it's maybe it's a generational thing that we're finding. You and I were just joking before this conversation about the ways that you know the millennials and the um, Gen Z, Gen Z, and you know how they like to be communicated to, and and uh, because I know we're both the best generation. Gen, Gen X Gen all X. the way. Yeah. yeah. All those others, you know, they don't matter, you know. And, nope. uh, <laughs> yeah. I guess that's not a good yeah. <laughs> And so, uh, you know, better understanding those, because then we could target, okay, we want to pull together a group of 10 people who are, uh, meet similar characteristics. You know, they were, you know, this, you know, Gen Z, they are professional they have a degree you know they're and they participate in our 401k so because we want to better understand what do they see maybe out of that 401k maybe then it's gen z who don't participate in 401k because their value proposition we saw it looking different and we want to better understand you know is it the way it's being communicated is it the way it's Valued by you? Do you not do? You, are you saving in other ways? Yeah. Do you not see that just yet? So, so helping to understand maybe why they're not. So that way we could maybe do as much as we can to either encourage, educate, with the end goal to be, of course, the financial wellness mm-hmm. of our employees, and yeah, that's part of wellness too. It's not just physical.
1: So a focus group is good for that kind of get that surgical precision
2: yeah you know or maybe deeper yeah it might yeah. be Gosh, this is a strange finding in here let's bring some people together to help understand focus group would just be another way might be a couple uh, personal interviews i'm going to go you know we're each going to go find you know 10 people we're just going to go and we're going to interview them with maybe a structured set of questions and then bring that data back together and go through it um you know, as a group. So, always thinking about what question we're we trying to answer and then what's the best approach.
1: On the survey, is, do you have a rule of thumb for how long it could be, how many questions, or how long it should take?
2: Um, you know, I, I, from an employee type survey, I typically don't want it to be more than 10 minutes. Okay. Yeah. It's always hard to give. You know the exact amount. Uh, I, I we'll do testing of things. You know, I, before I launch anything, I'll have you know 15, 20 people. Hey, just go in and take this for me. Give me you know some feedback, and I give them a list of questions. You know, this question didn't make sense to me. This one was too long. You know, this was confusing. Because if if those fifteen people had an issue. And one of the questions Did it feel too long? Did it flow well? Because if it flows well, and if people are engaged in the topic, uh, time is not as important. Uh, but if it's, you know, if it doesn't flow well, if the items are confusing. Uh, uh, even a three-question survey can be. <laughs> <laughs> you know, why are you wasting my time? Mm-hmm. Why did you send me this link?
1: And you. Do- you give some examples of uh, asking people of the types of questions. For example, how much do you value this benefit or this corporate program or this corporate value? And then how are we? How well are we meeting that? What are? What are? Can you give some other examples of the types of questions that would be relevant or helpful?
2: So the Q sort. There's a list, and then they drop them. And uh, in this case, we have it as like very important. So put. Of these list of eighteen items, put six in the very important, six in the important, and six in the less important. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah,
2: probably the most common question. Let me ask you: You're writing a survey. Are you going to use two points, three points, four points, five points, six points, or seven points on the survey? Or ten?
1: Yeah, usually I gravitate toward a five point. Okay, but I I do also like four point to force people to not just pick the middle one because that is the. A danger of a five point is so many people just gravitate toward the, the middle answer,
2: and and so I get asked that that question quite a bit. Like, <laughs> should we use a five point or a four point? And you know, from my studies of you know survey design and other things, which as you can tell, that's an exciting life. When you're, <laughs> you're reading about survey design, but again, to answer you know questions a five-point scale or something with the midpoint, just like you said, where they gravitate to the middle. And people almost always put it as uh, neither agree nor disagree. You know, <laughs> neither this, there, that. And they assume, you know, once I'm in the middle, I have absolutely no emotional connection one way or the other, no feeling. That may be true when you're talking about features of a product. For example, I'm staying at a hotel and was the bed comfortable? Yeah, you know, it was yeah, you know, it was fine. You know, was the shower, you know, the you know, it was you know, it was fine. It wasn't, you know, glistening, you know, was, you know. It was fine. I I don't have a real emotional commitment to it. It was fine, there was nothing good nor bad about it. Um, so I, I'm really more towards the middle. I'm not gonna be one way or the other. So features of a product or something else where I truly may not have any opinion, you know, strong opinion one way or the other. But when you talk about experiential things, you, know, you very few times do you have no opinion on your leader. Very few times do you have no opinion on your base pay, bonus, mm-hmm. 401k. You're leaning one way or the other. And, or not even leaning. You're so if you design it where it has, yeah, that's where I'll typically use more of a four-point because it doesn't necessarily allow that, and it really makes people. You know, yes, I do agree. I strongly, you know, agree, or I feel that you know, committed. You know, uh, so an NA doesn't always have to be on a survey either. You know, those types of options.
1: Um, how do you get to some of those? experiential aspects or that make a, an employer different so that you don't end up with a bunch of data that says, okay, here's what your employees think, and then you let's go figure out our employee employee value proposition, our employer brand, and we end up sounding like every other company out there.
2: Yeah, and some things, it's regardless, you know, they're consistent across. So we did have to spend a little bit of time thinking about what things do we do differently. So... Pulling the common things from the research, but then you know, what are some things like we've invested a lot in our world headquarters here in terms of redesigning the space, and you know, do, are people really valuing you know that increased collaboration, that um, more open concept? So there was a conscious decision and, and a huge investment. It wasn't just a conscious decision. A huge investment to do that so world headquarter employees so when i carve those individuals out i look at that you know are they really seeing that differently than some other employees that are external to the to the world headquarters mm-hmm. you know, are we seeing that and then we can start to say look you know it, it is a bit of a differentiator you know, some of the experiential stuff like I, healthy living you know, type things that are more experiential and uh, lunch and learns programs we try and put on to engage people beyond just show up at 8 <laughs> walk in like a robot to your desk, mm-hmm. sit down, turn on your computer and yeah, take an hour lunch and everyone walks out like a, you know, a blind lemming, you know, yeah. Yeah, to the parking lot. We want to engage you in, in uh, um, learning and growing each and
1: every day. Do you ever worry about people answering questions one way, but then their actual behavior is something different? I
2: think that always, you know, well, that's, there's no way to fully protect against that. You can you know, start to, if the results come back where they're like, wow, you know, we don't see that in the behavior, and we have a lot of good indicators to say we don't see that in the behavior, then the question starts to come, is there a reason why they weren't being feeling they could be honest, or are they not even aware of the fact that, you know, I may value this, but I'm not doing it. Yeah, uh, it's you know, the healthy living type thing. I know what it takes to be healthy. I'm not as good as you, Jesse. That runs forty seven miles a day. You know, does uh, I think a marathon each morning?
1: Uh, something like that. Yeah, yeah.
2: you know, and, and and Iron Man each
1: morning. I, is it? the yeah, Iron just kind I thought
2: that was just twice a week. Yeah, burn
1: off a little yeah. bit of energy.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we know what you know. The I value you know eating well, doing. But if you watch my behavior. Mm-hmm. I may on a survey say yes, it is of extreme value because that's that social desirability. Yeah, you know, it's extremely valuable, but in the end, I'm not, you know, necessarily engaging in those behaviors. So uh, when you have some objective data too, uh, so even going back to that project with the Virgin Pulse thing and the Healthy Living, not only did we take survey data. We were able to, to take data from the system. Now that's all anonymous data, so we couldn't match things up, you know. But just look at it more holistically. the, the percentage of people engaged, you know. The um, you know, how what, much they're participating. Where do participations fall off, you know? And the, and though, so we had some things to link together on more of a group level
1: data. Yeah.
2: So the objective.
1: What do you really do versus what
0: are you saying you do? Yeah. All right, Engagers, that wraps up this episode and this two-part interview with Dr. Matt O'Connor. We've been talking to Matt, who is the leader of Talent Research Assessment Insights at Owens Corning. He's also a partner at Inference LLC, which is a team of experts in data analysis and survey design. You can find out more about Matt and about his company and how they can help you with your talent research needs at inferencellc.com, and we'll provide Matt's contact information on our show notes for this episode, which you can find at engagingleader.com forward slash 193 as in episode 193. And of course, I encourage you to go back and check out episode 192, which was the first part of the interview with Matt. This is a production of Workforce Communication. We are a team of consultants and creatives using the power of communication to help organizations enhance the well-being and performance of their people. My colleagues and I partner with mid-sized and large employers to attract top talent, fully engage employees, and achieve superior business results in several areas, including employer branding, talent management, wellness, benefits and compensation, business transformation, and more. Find us at workforcecommunication.com. Our thanks to Cecily Leahy, our producer, James Marlar, our sound engineer, Rick Tarrant, our announcer, and Max Brody, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, in the 21st century, the real movers and shakers aren't just leaders, they're engagers.